Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Ernie Delosanto, founder and faculty chair at Appeal Academy and creator of Top Gun Audit School. And we are live on the December 9th, 2016 edition of Finally Friday. And for those of you who care, this is show number 149. And I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with us here on Finally Friday. Today's Finally Friday broadcast is sponsored by the Health Law Partners, providing solid advice and real solutions for a healthcare business nationwide. One of our partner firms is Recovery Analytics. That's Sharon Easterling's company. She does auditing and education, often authors articles for AHIMA, try saying that fast, as an AHIMA fellow, and she is a co-host on our show. Finally, Friday is now also sponsored by Zermed. They're a leading provider of financial and clinical performance management solutions using breakthrough predictive analytics technology to help you get paid faster, more fully, and more cost-effectively by both payers and patients. Visit Zermed.com to learn more. And finally, we're also partnered with the Council for Certification of Medical Auditors, CCMA, the creators of the widely used Certified Medical Audit Specialist, or CMAS, certification. We're proud that we've been approved to offer CEUs for all our shows. You should check with your organization to see if they'll accept these CEUs that come from CCMA certificates. I've heard that most of them do, especially the big ones. Okay, so this week we are getting a look inside the box that is the moon. The Medicare Outpatient Observation Notice, which we are now calling just one part of the nightmare before Christmas. And we will hear from two hospitals today uh, about their, what, what they're doing to implement the, uses, the use of this dubious form and what questions remain to be answered by our illustrious government agencies despite the mandated mandatory implementation date now finally confirmed by CMS today to be March 8, 2017, contradicting many other dates being bandied about on various sites. So anyway, we'll hear from Karen Robinson. She is a revenue integrity nurse from Mercy Medical Center in Canton, Ohio. And she's graciously consented to share with us the plans that they have for implementing Moon. And actually she says they've already been test piloting this stuff. And we're also going to hear from our own Dr. Maria Johar. She's a member of our weekly panel and a full-time physician advisor for a system in Ohio called ProMedica Hospital System. So, of course, we also have with us today our revenue cycle expert, Sharon Easterling, an auditor and author with her own company, Recovery Analytics. And we have Ryan Reynolds. Oh, no, sorry. That is Bill, Mom. Um, with us, he is a certified medical auditor and physician assistant. And Bill has some really important news to share with us about the JW modifier. So make sure you hang around for that. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Now, before we do get going, I want to make clear that the opinions shared on this show are those of the panelists, not necessarily representative of their employers. My opinions are, of course, my own and no one else's, and especially not those of our sponsors. Finally, these shows are offered for educational purposes only and certainly not offered as legal advice. Now, before we get started, let me switch over to, if I get the computer to cooperate, there we go, uh, to this page. And I just want to be able to show you, in case you are new to the show, you want to go to, and you don't know how to use those green buttons at the top of your screen, you can go to any page on appealacademy.com. If you scroll down a little bit, you get to this widget on the right that has the green buttons that look oddly enough like yours. And if you click on them, they open up this page that tells you all about how to use those buttons. In particular, you want to open that second button from the left. That's your chat box because we have a public uh, chat room there. And uh, you can also zoom in and out on the screen. If you can't see something well enough, you can zoom in and out. Uh, just keep in mind that once you zoom in, you also have to zoom out or otherwise. Ernie, I need to interrupt. Whatever you're yeah. speaking into, we're getting a lot of reports that you're just muffled. That I'm muffled? Yeah. Yeah. You're muffled? 
to speak clearly, go to the sea, put marbles in, learn to enunciate, do something, because we can't hear you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the voice. But anyway, hang on. Let me switch to my earbuds and see if that helps. Okay, so everybody tell me if that's better. better. Much better. Oh, yeah, better, better. Yeah, okay, well. So much for that $150 microphone. Okay. Um, All right. Way better, they say. Okay, super. Well, good. Thank you for telling me. Uh, All right. So, um, all right. Participants list is there. You are at the top of the list. If you point at you, it'll give you a little dialogue pop up next to it so you can put in your name if you want to. If you're looking at that list, you see some people do, some don't. It's totally up to you but you can choose somebody to chat with privately through that list if you can figure out who they are and point to them and chat just with them directly. Now, keep in mind, uh, sometimes that will be to everybody and not just a private chat. You just have to be aware of that. Now, so you know, we do not record what goes on in the chat box. We record the video and the audio for the uh, show, but we do not record... um, the chat room. So that is, um, okay. All right, here we go. So where was I? All right, I need to go back to the show now. As long as we're we're done with that. Okay. So now let's go ahead and talk about a little bit of news. There were a few things, (laughs) just a few things this week. There's a couple things I want to tell you about um, as well. For one thing, there's this a uh, new webinar coming up this coming week on Tuesday, December 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Zermed has this uh, interesting webinar that's about how to improve your patient payment experience. So if you're interested in that kind of thing and want to go to it, it's free. You can just find the link right there on the slide and go to it, register, and listen to that. It does come with a CEU, as a matter of fact. Uh, anyway, okay, so there's that. Then there was, uh, this This is still in the news, the Cures app, uh, you know, was passed recently, and I believe it's already been signed into law by President Obama, so uh, that is, uh, is uh, going to, I don't think it really affects uh, payments very much, except that they robbed money from uh, the overall Medicare reimbursement fund uh, in order to help pay for this. So that's they rob money from providers in order to help pay for this. Uh, oh, there, there's benefits to it though as well. I think we might better best do a drill down on this maybe in an upcoming show because um, there yeah. may be some benefits, especially with FDA clearance of drugs faster. I, I'm wondering if that's just not a gateway to them being yeah. able to bring the drugs in from other countries and beat pharma at their own game. Okay. All right. Well, we'll just have to we'll drill down that uh, in the future. The other one of the other big news uh, stories this week, which is actually a lot bigger, was when on Monday the judge in the uh, AHAV Burwell case uh, uh, granted summary judgment for the plaintiff, uh, meaning the American Hospital Association and those four hospitals. Uh, and what the judge had done re- previously was he'd he'd asked for uh, recommendations about how to resolve the Omaha backlog, the appeals logjam. And uh, uh, AHA came up with actually three or four, you know, they came up with four suggestions on how to do it. The judge went with this, you know, uh, okay, what he calls a reasonable four-year plan, uh, whereby they, they, uh, they have four years to come up uh, to reduce the backlog. And let me see, yeah, this next Next slide. Here's an article by uh, the HealthWell Partners, one of our sponsors, and they give, as you can see here, this is the short version of here's what they got to do. They have to do 30% reduction by the end of uh, 2017, 60% 2018, 90% by the end of 2019. Uh, What that means exactly in terms of, well, what about the ones they're going to add in? I don't really know, but this is... um, I'm sure that's just going to be added in. The judge is probably not going to be very, uh, um, probably not going to be very happy with CMS if they try to make excuses for not doing that. Uh, here are the other three 
proposed uh, interventions. One was to offer some reasonable settlements. Gee, wouldn't have that been nice? Uh, two, to come up with some kind of a subset and just defer uh, the provider's uh, need to repay the secretary for all that. Third was to impose some final penalties on RACs, which I don't know why he didn't go on, go with that, uh, or go with that in addition. And of course, that wouldn't um, reduce any of the uh, uh, any of the backlogs. So maybe that's that's why he didn't do that. But there's a link to the article on the Health Law Partners blog. Also, I talked to Jessica Gustafson earlier this week, and they are writing a complete analysis of it legal analysis for the American Bar Association, and we will, uh, we will tell you all about that uh, when it becomes available. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, some other things, that, because I talked to Judge Soltis about this as well this week, and he was saying, well, wait a minute. You know, they're talking about a one-third. You know, here we go again with this CMS math, okay? Uh, I, I suspect that's going to get involved. You know, if they did a one-third reduction, well, What's that going to be, about 333,000 cases? How are they going to do that? If they added 119 ALJ teams, they can close an, only close another 200,000 cases per year, so they're still going to be short. Okay, so maybe the settlement's going to make up the difference in that. Meanwhile, providers are going to be filing about 5,000 5, new cases a week, or even if it's only 1,000, what about all those cases uh, that add up? So it just seems like they're still going to be underwater unless they do something really different from anything that they have suggested uh, uh, doing before. So, you know, and in the meantime, we have this other, you know, I didn't get a chance to read this yet because it just got, I just got told that about it. Sharon, didn't you see it just yesterday that the uh, CMS report to Congress about the RAC program just got posted yesterday? I don't even know if they, I guess they presented it. Correct, it got posted. Right, it got posted. I think the date said the seventh, actually, Ernie, but I saw it yesterday. Okay. Well, it just you know their their math in this report in past years has been suspect. Let's put it that way. I call it dubious, uh, and I just couldn't believe their math. And I'm surprised the senators uh, uh, and their staff didn't pick on it more. But um, there is a link here on on this. It takes you to the main page where you can. Download. The, oh, that's right. They're in the handouts today. If you go, want to go download them directly there, they're in the handouts. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Probably will over the next couple of weeks, and maybe uh, we'll do an article about it like I've done before. Um, but it's it's uh, probably not going to be in a show this year. We only have one more show this year. So, uh, And then we have an update on the JW modifier. Now, did this come from the FBI bill or not? I mean, he's been doing some very important updates, right? Announcements. He didn't do this one, though. That, that's not me. He's not involved with that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, he looks bewildered uh, by it, though, doesn't he? Yeah, he doesn't know what no, it is either. Okay, I'm not going to comment on that. Okay, so anyway, go ahead, Bill. This, this is your daily, Rick. You so for a month we've been reporting that this really has to happen. And in the last two months, there's been a lot of concern over FAQ question four. And providers, legal representatives, consultants are now questioning what does this really mean. Clearly, the OIG, and I gave a couple things, they want the JW to happen. They truly believe that there's overpayments uh, as a result of wastage. Uh, Zolaire was one of their reports. And so they, they definitely want that to happen. So CMS is being a bit pressured by the OIG to get this done. I don't think CMS can mandate it, though. So if you go back to the other slide. Oop, okay. Yeah, go back. There you go. So the question here is the modifier is not required if no discarded drug is being billed to any payer. So that that's a charging practice. And, and I'm going to quote or get involved some of the people from Nimic Consulting that I'm really impressed with their work on this. Um, when you're doing a charging practice, you have to charge everyone the same method in the same fashion. I mean, you have to bill them the same, but you have to charge them the same. So if you don't charge wastage to any payer, then arguably you don't need to do this at all. But if you do plan to charge wastage with the expectation of reimbursement to any payer, then the JW is required. So if we go on to the next statement, 
Oh, sorry. Yeah. My, <laughs> my cue. Ernie suffers today, yeah? Okay, so here's the OIG work plan. It's got the JW in it. The OIG has actually, there's a report, so they're looking at it. And, and that one, there's a couple key things that CMS I don't think has really taken into account. First of all, providers buy larger sizes for two reasons. One, it may be more cost-effective to provide the care with a larger size. And number two, it may not be available. Even though it's publicly manufactured, we're seeing some of the trends with uh, pharma and the, and the distributors and the wholesalers where it's just not available. Okay, It's commercially prepared in a lower volume, but it's just not available. So the other thing that I found out in the last couple months is that no, none of the electronic systems really have a turnkey embedded solution to this response. What it is is mostly a workaround through a module or a human being or something, so it can be fraught with errors. So the providers are telling me from a compliance standpoint, it may be more effective for them to not take part in this at all and not do the JW. I scoped out the max this week, and there really is no true guidance on this, you know, on how to document it and what have you. So my favorite statement in, in life is, here we go, because we really don't know what to do. So here we go to the next slide. So I talked about the charging practices, and you may not have to do it if you're not going to charge anyone. But here's some of the things that's an issue. First of all, this was all started to get data on pharma. We know from the original articles of the British Medical Journal and now the Australian Journal of Medicine that there is massive wastage um, because of the size of the vials uh, and the drugs being provided, which you can get in other countries at a smaller dose vial. So CMS is actually paying for wastage um, because it's not even, you can't even get it in the U.S. The confusion now comes with if a provider has to buy a larger size, either because it's on back order or they can't afford it, um, now what do we document? So you can only document the wastage between what you actually delivered and the smallest commercially available or prepared, not available, prepared amount. Now that's not stated in SC 1316. It's not stated in a transmittal. These amounts are not stated anywhere. So this is another ongoing concern. Is it the smallest commercially prepared? Is it the smallest commercially available? You know, what is this wastage on? So arguably, if it's the smallest commercially prepared, the provider would have to document what was delivered, what was wasted based on that vial size, and then in somewhere else document that they had to buy the bigger vial. So it all, all comes around that none of this really seems to be able to get at the root cause of the data, which is what the OIG is saying, either overpayment or farm is charging us too much. So if we go to the next slide. Oops. Okay. I've given you a, a link to 1316. Um, it's only about two drugs. It doesn't mention sizes at all. None of the FAQs speak to anything in 1316, so this is just massive confusion. So what I'm hearing is the preponderance of people have decided to back down, and this is just my sample set, so it could be entirely wrong, but the preponderance of people I've talked to have just backed down and said, you know what, we don't even know what we're shooting for now. We're not going to carry forward with it. We don't know what to do. CMS, I've written them multiple times. I have yet to receive the answer. They've just informed me today that they, I, I wrote to the wrong people, um, that I need to write to somebody else. Um, but I, I highly recommend that at this point we start going, since the MACs have not issued guidance, that we just start addressing it at the regional uh, CMS level and get it. maybe they can push it up. So I think I gave you the link on the next slide. Okay. Obviously, the open door forum, Dr. Hirsch, somebody, just pepper everybody. So the first thing you need to do is if you're going to move <laughs> forward, I think you need a bit of legal guidance on how this has to happen. Secondly, I truly believe that in the end it's going to end up being a business decision of the facility. So your, your decision and my decision could be entirely different. 
There are some key consulting groups that are completely on top of this situation and giving us the latest, greatest stuff. Uh, Nimic Consulting is by far out there as the first and foremost. Uh, uh, Jugna Shaw, Valerie Wrinkle, they're absolutely key. I've given you their address. They also have a great listserv, so you might want to have a go at that. And I, as I'm saying now, I'm not getting anything out of, of CMS, Washington. I think at this point, it, it's now essential. We, if you're going to do the JW, not going to do the JW, start to pepper the regional offices with these questions because I, I don't get the flavor that they understand there's an issue. Clearly, the, the ones that I talked to in the past at CMS weren't clear. So they, if you are having an issue with this, this is the time to start really starting that, that email campaign and let's get it sorted because this, is, this has just gone on too long and it's being left to, to nothingness. And it's, it's concerning to me that no matter what you do, you could actually be creating a risk for yourself. So um, again, contact the MAC, the regional offices, and go with that. I think that's the end of my rant okay. today, yeah. isn't it? <clears throat> yeah. Great, Bill. Thank you. Um, and I do think that's, you know, the, the interesting thing was, you know, is that CMS just didn't think this was going to be a big deal. Uh, they thought everybody would want a bill for that, right? So, well, I think the bigger concern is they didn't anticipate that they that nobody would want to bill wastage. They never anticipated this. They they they, they were sure that you know, all Americans were going to jump on the ship of of billing for wastage. Um, so I think there are business decisions where you may not want to. So this is truly left up between the facilities now and CMS because they are not really giving us a lot of great information. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for that. Okay. Next, uh, next thing I wanted to uh, tell you all about is the, uh, we just finished uh, doing the recordings for this webinar for the uh, 2017 OPPS final rule starts broadcasting on Monday. Uh, and then it will be available over the next two weeks, like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, at these four different times. It'll it'll figure out your local time and do it on that. So you can go reserve your spot on that. Uh, it's on uh, my website. Um, and you know, here are some of the things that uh, Bill and Jugna are covering in it. I'm not going to read all that to you today. It's on it's on the pages and everything. So, uh, but I did want to let everybody know that that is now up. Uh, and it will be broadcasting on Monday. So, and of course, it's free uh, thanks to the uh, gracious sponsorship of Zermed this year. So, anyway, okay, then uh, what did we do last week? Last week we were talking about uh, looking behind the curtain. Uh, Jessica Gustafson was able to show us or tell us about, uh, you know, going through the 264 pages and three PowerPoints that. CMS had been using uh, to teach the ALJs about how to make decisions. Uh, and uh, so that was last week. This week, I really wanted to be able to reveal another secret. Unfortunately, this kind of a secret I couldn't, I couldn't get, uh, although the National Enquirer claims they have it. I don't buy it. But anyway, that's what I wanted to do this week. Instead, what we're doing is we're talking about the moon because it was finally uh, posted this week, then taken down, then posted again. I don't know why they had to take it down. They posted it, I think, exactly the same thing again, except with the inclusion of the Spanish version. So anyway, um, you know, dealing with things like this as secrets, you know, and, and you know, here's the, it reminded me of that shoot the moon game. Did any of you have this game when I was a, when I was a kid? I had this game. It was, you know, it was kind of a fun thing to play with. Uh, you know, it wasn't secret, but there are lots of secrets. Um, that, uh, you know, that we would like to know about. If you go look out on the web and see what kind of secrets you can find, you can find lots of different secrets. Uh, although this one, I don't know what this means. Secrets of ancient bog butter. I, how do you get butter from a bog? Anyway, so I guess those really are secrets because who knows any of that. There are secrets, you know, that you would like to know before some kind of an important event, like before you get married, there might be some things you want to know about. Uh, there were some secrets I saw that, you know, in researching this week, this looks like a fun, uh, a fun book to have, you know, Alchemy Secrets. I, I doubt it, it knows, says anything about turning 
stone into gold or anything, but that would be fun to read. And of course, there's this one, which was another, you know, set of secrets that maybe that's important for you to to go look at. Maybe you want to find those. But here is then this morning, this came out. Here is the notice about an open door forum, uh, and that the notices are out there. Uh, and that there's going to be an open door forum. I think you need to go to that page and you can find all the links for that and everything. Uh, I don't remember if that's where we go to look for um, where you can post comments. Uh, but anyway, that's uh, that's you know that just came out this morning. So the secrets keep coming out and keep getting revealed all the time. Thanks to Sharon for sending that to me. Yeah, and at the same time, when that moon was taken down from the one area of the CMS site, it remained here on the OMB site, the exact form. Hmm. Um, so it was still out there. Um, it was just in a different location. Okay, okay. Well, <clears throat> at any rate, now that we have it, you know, there are still questions, and I still feel like, you know, we're doing we're dealing with a card trick or something, you know. Because there are things you've got to figure out. Uh, you can't, you know, just because they give it to you doesn't mean you know how to do it. And so we asked uh, Karen Robinson um, if uh, she would come and, and talk with us this week about what they were doing in their hospital uh, and answer these questions. You know, what kind of a process are you implementing uh, to use the moon? Are you, are you going to use electronic paper, both, or kind of resources? You figure you have to add in order to take care of that, if any, you know, thank you, CMS. Um, what are you going to do to know, how are you going to tell who needs it, you know, when they're being admitted? And what if someone has questions? I mean, this is both people, what, if, what do you do if patients have questions and what do you do if people inside your hospital uh, have questions? So with that, I'm going to ask Karen then to uh, talk with us uh, now, because these are the points that she gave me about what they're doing, uh, what they're doing uh, in her hospital at uh, Mercy. So, Karen, tell us. Hi, everybody. Doing? We're doing good. Um, first of all, I have to I have to kind of uh, clarify something. I almost choked when Dr. Hirsch came on shortly after we posted this on uh, Rack Relief. And it said that it went down. I go, oh my gosh! Usually, you know, our Ohio Hospital Association is pretty on the ball here, but um, we decided to go forward with uh, downloading the form anyway, and at least trying to get it into process. Um, just to give people a little idea: we're a, uh, a hospital who, where our daily census is about 230. A good 95% of our observation patients uh, present through the emergency room. And after a lot of discussion with an ad hoc committee, which included our uh, chief nursing officer, our director of patient accounts, myself, case management, our uh, manager for um, admitting and uh, registration, we decided that because of the location the majority of these patients present in, it would be best served to have admitting registration staff um, take responsibility for this. Um, it took. It was a long discussion, and it took some teeth pulling, but we were able to get um, 1.5 FTEs committed to this particular process. And part of this is also there. You will also be given some other responsibilities um, to perform in the interim. But uh, we're going to match it as far as our process that we use for the um, important Medicare message that needs to go out. So what's going to happen right now is uh, we were able to electronically load uh, the uh, original draft, not the first draft, but the second draft that came out that looks hmm. a little closer to the final, into we have Meditech, and we can go into discussions about Meditech, but for our intense purposes. Um, and they were load, able to load that, and what will happen is once the observation order is placed, it will automatically populate uh, the specific information related to the patient on the form. And as the demographic sheet, that's usually like the face sheet for the medical, the paper medical record is printed, this will be printed along with it. And that mirrors what happens with our um, 
important Medicare message and uh, you know, the authorization forms that happen, happen to come out that registration admitting take care of. So that mm-hmm. will happen. And what will happen then is we're slowly trying to get over to an electronic method of signature and patient identification. And after various tries, we have decided to kind of a two-pronged approach. The registration, the emergency registrar or the admitting clerk, depending on the time of day and where the patient's actually presenting from, will uh, take the printed uh, version of the form to the patient. And we do have a script written out for them, and they've been educated since this has all started um, as far as why they're getting the form. The patient at that point in time will sign in, and, uh, the paper sheet as well as electronically sign the electronic sheet. We're doing that because we, we were trying to define as far as what would be best for the staff person to run back and print it and then run back to the patient, make sure they get their copy. This way the patient has uh, a formal copy in their hand at the time they're signing it, and we have their signature on the electronic version. So once we okay. uh, got that in place and they started practicing, and uh, we recently had a uh, change in our uh, management structure over in admitting, so now the person who was actually training everybody who's very well versed on the process is uh, interim manager. So she's ready to go. We have just begun to hire the 1.5 FTEs, but there are hmm. people currently in place who have been educated and have been doing well with this. So as far as the staffing goes, we're not too worried. Now what happens is um, because of the format that we have to present this to anyone who is Medicare eligible, and so that would include the Medicare C programs, we're working on um, developing the uh, acronyms for our various uh, Medicare C commercial products. And what happens each morning, I get a report um, the admitting uh, manager and case management gets a report of those patients who have come in within the last 24 hours who right now has Medicare. Um, Mm. And the averages we've figured out is probably going to average maybe five to eight patients a day. So that's that's quite workable. Um, so we've been practicing through that, even though we have not actually taken it to a patient, have the patient sign it, and have see if somebody has any questions. That's the only outstanding thing that we're worried about, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so when IT is in the process of finalizing the form right now, we did... Um, we have our, our sister hospital, which is located up in Cleveland, and we pushed this around to see what other people should think as far as that first section, as far as why, the why question, why are you here is observation. Um, it was approved by our corporate, and so we have a canned reason that will be um, put on that very first box on the page mm-hmm. one that everybody seemed to be approved. And it's pretty much if you've been looking at some of the information coming back over on um, Rack Relief, it's, you know, you're here because, you know, you're not meeting inpatient level or the doctor doesn't think you need to be here more than two midnights. It's pretty much that kind of that kind of comment. And then on the back side or page two, we have, in, in, we're going to have a very bold print, you know, if you have any questions regarding this, this is the case management number, and they we gave them a dedicated line that patients can, mm. can call. Now, that line is not covered 24-7, so anybody after usual business office hours for uh, case management, but usually they will call them back. The plan is to call them back within, you know, 12, 12 to 14 hours. Um, yeah. Right now, okay. uh, they're beginning to gear up for that. They're re- reviewing the... Uh, script that was written, and it's just a matter of IT saying we're ready to go. We'll start the process once we get the form, and hopefully it will be Thursday, Friday next week. Um, Mm. And then maybe, uh, hopefully maybe the Christmas holidays will slow down a little bit, and it will be just a slow process, or we'll be ready to go far before the March time. um, If you want to change the slide, our only 
things that we're concerned with is we're not too sure what the patient response is going to be. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's mm. that's that's <laughs> going to be the big red flag. Um, talking uh, where my office is, I'm just down the hallway from our, pay, our customer service phone calls. Nobody has been coming to to tell me, you know, we're getting a lot of these phone calls about patients wondering about why this is observation. So will we see an uptick in that? I don't know. Uh, that's the one thing that we're not too sure what's going to happen. In most case scenarios, because most of them are coming through the emergency room, they just sign every, anything. <laughs> Half the time they don't know what they sign. They put it in their folder. They take it home, and it will probably be after they receive their bill when they notice something. So we're still, you know, kind of in early stages of that. We won't know until we've actually given it to some some patients to actually see what happens. And the other mm. only outst- other outstanding thing we have, um, it was great when it came back out. They said something about the the Spanish version. I go, oh gosh, I don't even think we thought of that. We do have a um, immigrant health program here at Mercy, and we do deal with uh, a large number of um, uh, Mexican immigrants with that program and South American immigrants. Um, I don't think they're Medicare eligible, but we didn't even, we didn't think that into the mix. Boy, I think so right now we're going to put that that form on hold and get an mm. idea from uh, from that department to see if that's something we need to move forward with. So that's pretty much what we're – I think we're ready. We we still really have to put it in, in a formal play to actually see what other issues might de- be developing. Okay. Uh, I think there were some – there were questions in the chat box, but I think you've answered them or other people have answered them in the, in the chat about having, uh, you know, what do you – what about the part regarding why the patient isn't appropriate for inpatient registration – staff can address this with a patient, not really a why from what you were saying. Yeah. Uh, but then they can talk to the UM, they can call the UM, right. UM nurse right. or the case manager. You, yeah. In your case, the case managers. Okay. Yes. And um, what the beauty of this is with them having the dedicated line, we do on the weekend, we have a couple here on site on the weekend, and then the case manager is all the director of case management is always available. So she will be, since I said, you know, usually it's only maybe five to eight a, a day, she's willing to, you know, check that that voice line over the weekend and try to get yeah. back to the patient as, as soon as she can. So, we're, again, we haven't actually activated that yet, so we don't know how well it's going to work, but that's the game plan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Some people were asking for a copy of... Uh like what your script is that you give people. Sure. Uh, sure. Dr. Johar put in a put in a you know description of what their their script is like, and I'll have her talk about that in a minute. But yeah, the you know despite everything you do, you're still going to wind up with questions. But you've yes. got to do something now in order to yeah. get started on this. You know, we would all like to uh, have have all our questions answered, but that's not just going to happen. So yeah. we are going to feel unprepared getting into this because there are so many questions that are unanswered. And right. plus, there's so many, you know, wrinkles to this. Uh, you've got patients yeah. of all I like kinds it. of understanding. Best script sign here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I um, did want to, Karen, I wanted to ask you, I actually have, I'm getting texts from uh, a specialty hospital that 80% of their patients are either hearing or sight impaired. And they Ooh, said that their association option. is very concerned about the moon. They can barely describe through sign language interpreters and Braille the other things that Medicare does. And there was no uh, discussion of this by Medicare at all, meeting the uh, Disabilities Act to provide uh, same-case language. Do you know anything? Does anybody know anything about this type of stuff? Good catch, Bill. Um, I don't know. I would have to check with our... Um, that's that's. A, I'll have to research that out for us. I don't see so, yeah. um, too much Karen, of a problem. What, I think. Yeah. Go ahead, Dr. Karen, Johar. What, yeah, Karen. What we are doing is we're using it for like everything else. You know, we have a translating service. So whether you yeah. are hearing impaired or um, in any other way challenged, 
um, they are using that service to address the IMM, the consent form, and now the observation form. I think I think you're correct because we'll get, that's a similar <clears throat> that's a similar system that we have here. But I don't think we actually thought of that in the mix to make sure that that's an option. So that that's another good catch. I appreciate. Yeah, Ron that. did. Ron said, as I thought, it's the ADA is that so you have to comply with that. And yeah. I think one of the issues is the sign language interpreters are saying they really don't have sign language to describe some of these concepts. But again, we're giving them we're giving them a uh, as they're doing the script, they are getting the written form. So at least for some people, if they can read it, it's good. But as far as the sight impaired, I don't think um, maybe yeah, we I need think, to get a braille copy or something. Yeah, you may have may have to get a navigator or a family yeah. member uh, to be part of this because there is yeah. always that question: Did the patient comp uh, comprehend it? If yeah. they're impaired in some way, that's an extra step you probably need to be careful about. Yeah, that's right. Good. We decided. Yeah. yeah, we decided that we shouldn't go with a family member of a person that is speaking Spanish or, or you know, is uh, challenged in any other way, uh, because our compliance people said that you know the family members may be making a decision uh, oh. that, that may not be yeah. right that the patient doesn't want. So we have. Um, a systematic way of just going to um, our translation services, you know, who help us with everything. Yeah. Um, that way it is not at all a subjective translation by the family member. Yeah, then what probably would happen at this point, are you thinking, Dr. Johar, that are you going to use the same form and like in the on the second page on the bottom saying this was communicated to the patient via and have like the translator sign it? Right, and then okay. the copy of the copy of the discussion or whatever it is that the translator said will be attached to our um, it will okay. be scanned into yeah scanned into our epic uh, chart because that's what we do for everything else. It is the consistent mm. process. Excellent catch. No, I don't think we considered that, so we can do that now. That's good. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Great. Good question, Bill. Okay, uh, let's see. All right, so I wanted to then get to, because earlier this week when we started talking about this, we had um, <clears throat> Dr. Johar submitted a bunch of things that there are questions that she and her system are, ans are asking and questioning because there's so many things, you know, so many wrinkles in this. Uh, so, Dr. Johar, these next five or six slides are, are your uh, questions right Be you know they the whole intent for the uh, moon form was to make sure that the patient understood that they were observation but then down the and we have a script you know like Karen said you know we have a script that we are telling that our registration people are telling them and we also have the ability for the patient to contact our UM nurse and our UM nurse can come and say and speak to all of that but we are complicating the issue by telling them it is an observation notice, but by the way, if you were a part A, you would be an inpatient, and then everything would be covered. So why, I mean, mm. we are giving the IMM for the inpatient, but now in this observation, we are complicating matters. So what they're thinking is going to be 15 minutes, it is going to be a very long conversation. Um, so then yeah. on the next slide, okay, um, we have, this one was about cost of medications. Right. So then we are saying, you know, the cost of medications is being explained. So there was that open uh, format that, you know, we could give the reason why you're an observation. But the cost of medications, the registration person cannot explain that. The UM person is also not the best person to explain that because the different, you know, insurances are, some of them have closed pharmacies, some of them have not. They have, you know, this is for the Medicare and managed Medicare. And now they're saying ER medications are not necessarily self-administered drugs, but they're not saying 100% of them. And the observation status is done after the ER visit. So by the time the patient actually figures everything out, it could be a couple of hours. Um, 
And so are they going to be responsible for the drugs prior to the giving of this form, prior to them understanding it? This is going to be, get very, very complex. So Maria, a couple, a couple thoughts from some of our uh, my clients. They have gone back to basics. They pulled out the Medicare and U 2016 publication yes, and have pulled out too. the salient parts. And then they give that, are you an inpatient or outpatient, as unclear as that may be, that notice. And I've actually yes. seen people build uh, like a little Visio that shows the patient very clearly, you're on this path, and this is what you would have to do, and the other one, you're on that path. And then with that, they have these little tear-out sheets um, that, you know, tell them about their medications and self-administered and, you know, what their rights right. to appeal are, if there are. So I've watched some people get with their marketing departments and make very extensive education that's replicable amongst, uh, and they actually made a third grade level, and they taught different groups within the hospital to present this so that they could be sure that it came out all right. So I think we're, I hate to say it, but we're almost at that point where we need educators to be very much a part of this process because it's gotten so confusing and so crazy that, you know, education may need now be the key to this. Right, right. Bill, I 100% agree with you. I What we do is, besides giving, uh, we didn't wait for the moon form. We were actually giving people a small uh, brochure that was more colorful, that was more of the third to fifth grade level, uh, telling them this is observation, you know, why the sniff is not covered, you know, and we actually took all the verbiage from Medicare and me, you know, every year we would update it. Um, but some of the things, about, you know, for example, they're saying that, you know, the hospital may not give it to you for safety reasons. So on one hand, we are saying it is self-administered drugs. On the other hand, we are also saying your hospital may not be take, giving you your drugs, self-administered drugs, um, because they don't want to do an unsafe situation. We have a safety, you know, our pharmacy policy that says bring your medications in the dispensed uh, the original container and not in little baggies and little, you know, things like that. So it just gets uh, pretty out of hand um, as people get more and more savvy and they're asking more and more questions. Um, so if we go to the next slide, uh, Okay. Bernie. Um and then uh, we have all these different Medicare Advantage plans. Um, so they're also saying that it could be very different, but we are giving it to them. Now we are telling our patients on our brochure, please contact your Medicare Advantage uh, plan. Look on your card. Um, if you can't find a number, a number can be provided for you. Uh, so we are trying to do all those things, but if they think that on average it's only going to be 15 minutes, I am not so sure that that is the average amount of time uh, that mm. it might take. So it is going to get a little hairy scary and we have started the uh, process now uh, and we are trying to keep track of how long it might take to get some of this stuff through. Uh, we've also created a uh, infographic that says, you know, nowhere to go. Uh, that is more pictorial uh, for our patients. So, so we are trying to do a couple of different things, but it is a little bit more complex. Um, and then on page 39, on slide 39. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. The 15 minutes is just not. Seems like right. just they're, you know, they, they've got a dartboard. Oh, and and this is one of my concerns because I think um, there's going to be two steps to this process. Them getting the form, going through the hot, you know, their hospital stay, whether they are ops throughout the whole stay or become in at one point. 
I don't think we're really going to be hit by the impact from the patient perspective until after they get home. And maybe yes. they'll look through this more, and maybe once they get that bill, it's like, well, now, wait a minute, I was in the hospital for a day and a half. Why am I seeing these charges? And I think that's one of the things that we're talking about is trying to get our customer service and the back end of this process ready to go just in case we start getting, you know, these kind of questions. Again, that's that's the one thing we're not too sure, sure how that's going to be responded to. Hmm. So I do know okay. a couple hospitals in California that have made videos about this on their staff. Um, they're they're manda- mandatory. They have to take them. They have to be able to answer the questions, um, kind of almost like a compliance thing. Um, they're making videos for their patients. But the bottom line is, it comes down to, is you have an elderly person in general. I mean, I know there's other yeah. things going on in, uh, with Medicare, but they generally they're elderly. They don't understand, for the most part, Medicare is just their insurance. They cover it, right? And they, I've got a supplement or whatever. And they don't really understand this in and outpatient status thing. To them, they're just getting care, and my doctor needs me to get care, and I'm sick, and I'm distressed. So, you know, with Mtalo, and we can't give out financial information in the ER or anything uh, on this and get their finances because they're under distress. I just, I just question why CMS thinks a patient in observation is any less distressed um, <laughs> and that they should, they should get all these rubbish notices because this is just a, a bureaucratic way of overcoming the issue that they never fixed. Yeah, and see, and that's concerned with, like I said at the beginning, most of our observation patients are coming through the emergency room. Very few of them are coming as in a direct med. Um, hmm. So it's, it's again, it's part of the process that we're not too sure until we actually put it in play as far as what other things we have to get ready for. I, love the, I, I do love know the, one uh... group has actually got a discharge lounge. And they're planning on going through this again with the patients as they're discharged in a way of cutting down because they're very afraid that when patients start getting their bills, uh, the, the light up of the lines to the you know customer service or to uh, PFS, they're very concerned about that. So they're actually going through it again, all their notices, not just that one, but the notices the patients have been given, they're going through that again at time of discharge. Hmm. And more of the uh, CMS math, um, Dr. Johar, you had uh, you included this in some of your, you know, you were making right. the point about how they did their their uh, <clears throat> estimate. Right, uh, right. More of the fuzzy math, Ernie. This is how they came up with the 15 minutes. Um, yeah. So this, is, I'm hoping that they can have that open door form and we can get some of these questions answered. You know. Did they actually think how it was going to play out? Um, because certainly, given the way we are going to, like Dr. Hirsch said, you know, this is perfect. If it, it is going to take us so long to explain this thing, it will be more than two midnights, and then we can convert them to an inpatient. Everyone is happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that would that would certainly that was work. Beautiful. You were Yeah, I, I think that, that is what perfect. the intent is, and and that might be <laughs> that might be better. Um, but, you know, this is how they come up with stuff. And exactly like you said, 2 plus 2 is 5 or 8 in their head. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, and it reminded me of, you know, the shoot the moon game. You might as well have used this to do these calculations. I mean, frankly, exactly. from a, okay, I used to be a small business consultant where I went in and looked at, you know, I calculated, you know, could go in and calculate anybody's overhead and everything. And, this kills me. Okay, they've got their mean average uh, wage, thirty-three dollars uh, an hour. Okay, well that's a, that, maybe that's accurate or not. I don't know. Fringe benefit, the same thing as the as the mean hourly wage. I'm sorry, nobody does. Nobody in the country has fringe benefits that are a hundred percent of wages. Okay, <laughs> that are that are a hundred percent of wages. That I number should be about eighteen percent of of uh, wages. So I don't know why they stuck that in there, but I guess that was the only way they could get to 
their adjusted hourly wage of $67, which then allows them to justify 15 minutes uh, as, uh, I, don't, I don't know. So it, it's spooky. Uh, it's weird. I'm sorry, those numbers do not make any sense whatsoever. <clears throat> you might as well use that shoot the moon game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, What's so, on our next slider? Oh well, that's uh, that's that's the end of those. Um, okay, I'm looking at some of the uh, some of the discussion points. Um, oh, Stephanie Daniels is saying, why not um, why not consider educating a volunteer, a retired nurse, social worker, et cetera, to go around the hospital giving the form. Um, I think that's a great idea, but I would question the legality of them being uh, in the in the fa the facility provider. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I think they could go if the form's been presented, they can answer questions, obviously, and that would be a good way to use them. But I don't know that we the the lawyers would agree that that would satisfy their their requirements. I don't know. That's a Jessica yeah. question. And then there's, uh, here's from um, the comment by Summer. There's in New York State, having been, having been conducting the OBS notifications since 2014, we definitely spend 10 to 15 minutes on average per notification without questions. UM nurses can spend an hour or more throughout the day meeting with patients and families, Medicare patients, explaining this when SNF is the plan and there is not a three-day qualifying stay. I would agree with anyone who, under, who states that CMS underestimated the time spent per form. Uh, and they didn't check with, they didn't really integrate any of the other states. So in some of the states, you've won the Boogie Prize and, and the fact you have to have two of them. Um, so, you know, 15 minutes on Medicare, 15 minutes on the other, you know, there's all these different requirements and if they're conflicting, I don't know how people are going to explain it at all. Um, so it it just adds to the dimension of that this is this is not a healthcare system answer. What is I mean, the, what are, where are the, are the other forms in the states? Are they required forms that are like like CMS? They say you've got to use this form. You yes. can't combine them somehow. Well. Wonderful. In some states, they're a little bit more flexible, but I, I don't think I, I'd have to speak to somebody in New York and California. But it was my understanding they had to use their dedicated form. I don't know. The person's on from New York might want to correct me. Summer, yeah, Summer might be able to say she's from uh, New York, but. Um, I think the states did say that at some point they would combine them. I mean, that's what I was told. God knows when that will happen, though. Uh, uh, but in the well, meantime, they're... Karen, don't you have meantime, a state form as well? Well, uh, as far as this form, and I sent this email to Jessica, and I'm going to have to follow up with her because I'm not sure she totally understood my question. So my question for her was that they have posted a Word document on the OMB website. Mm -hmm. Can you not edit that document and add additional payers? Or can you not, since this is a form with the approved number, but why not take the Medicare form and add your other payers to that form was my question. Someone else yeah. can answer that. Please feel yeah. free. I don't know. It I think we do have to get the, there. Yeah. The New York State can do what they want. They can add, amend, whatever. I don't know about California. Let me just post it. Minnesota, we're hearing it. Minnesota, you can, you can, uh, you could probably use the moon instead. It looks like. Okay, and I do so agree with you. Know, you I mean, volunteers a, to do this if we could, if we can adequately train them and we already do that for some things but I, I had a, I, I mean I actually showed one of the videos to a legal group for the moon and they said nope not going to meet the requirement so I mean we've got all these differences of opinions out there um, and I think it all stems from the fact CMS just cannot be clear if they tried um, this is this is one of those things where 
You're going to have to figure out for your state and what you can do and uh, not do and how to do it. But I think that if you get them at multiple occasions or give them some sort of explanatory document when they go out, the issue is they are under duress when they're in the hospital, and they just are not going to really understand all the ins and outs of this. Exactly. But if you tell exactly. them you have to pay for their medications, they'll get that. But if you tell them their observation and they're going to have to pay for this, the answer is going to be, well, what am I to do? I'm sick. I came here for a reason. You know, so yeah. what, really, CMS, what do you want us to do with that patient? They're sick. They're in distress. They need health care. You know, this home. now becomes an issue. What about uh, there's well, what about the family member? Yeah, well, well, the the viewer ninety two put a question in. What about this is uh, and I think uh, Dr. Hopkins, you uh, you mentioned that yeah, what we're talking about there is family dropping a patient off and there's no medical needs, only social needs, and they're just waiting placement. Well, they're outpatient in a bed. Um, you can't bill Medicare for them anyway. Yeah. Um, you know who you're going to build, if anybody. But isn't that isn't that well isn't that kind of that situation is the kind of thing we wind up with here that people who come in and they're there for care, but you don't have any way to bill for them. I don't even know if does the moon even matter then. You mean a social a social admission. A social admission doesn't going to matter because you're not going to bill them for ops. You're not going to bill Medicare. Yeah, I don't think that relieves you of the obligation of giving it, though. But if they're not it's admitted as observation, yeah, they're not, they're not observation. observation. That's a they're not That's observation. They, they exactly. Yeah, they're just outpatients, straight outpatients. They're straight outpatients. They're not observation at all, and we give them a financial responsibility to say, you know, yes, you're here, but you do not meet. And you are more than happy to come to the hotel, but you have to pay for it. That's, yeah, a key, so can... that's a key statement that Maria just made. So when you're in your admitting modules, you're going to have to really make sure you have bed spaces assigned to outpatient in a bed or be able to convert that bed space in the admitting modules to outpatient in a bed because most admitting modules only have outpatient or OBS, and they can't keep somebody in an outpatient status in the, in the computer system for tw more than 24 hours. So it's just a computer glitch to make sure you have that outpatient observation as a bed type. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, great discussion. And as usual, we have lots of discussion towards the end of the show, and uh, we're out of time. But really good uh, Really good discussion. Thanks so much, Karen and uh, and Dr. Johar, for sharing all that. I know everybody uh, appreciates all your insights and help, and I think there's been a lot of a lot of good stuff going on here today. Um, next week we are actually celebrating our 150th Finally Friday. So I've been doing this for a little over three years, and we've got number 150 coming up next next Friday. And on that show, we have invited um, uh, Jugna Shaw and Valerie Wrinkle to come talk to us about Section 603, which is all by itself is absolutely worthy of a show because it's so stinking confusing. It has so many exceptions and non-exceptions. Um, so it's really wild. Uh, and they are, they are coming uh, next week uh, to talk about it on our show, and I'm really excited about that. Plus, we'll just have, you know, horns and, and champagne. I wish I could share it with you. Um, so anyway, that's uh, that's next week what we'll be doing, and I remind you again, coming up um, this week, there is this, uh, uh, this webinar by Zermad about uh, patient payment experience, which basically kind of fits with a lot of what we were just saying. I wonder if... Uh, they're going to address much about the JW-type uh, situation in that. Uh, and then we also have the OPPS final rule, which, as I said, will start broadcasting on Monday. You go click on the link. You get to choose a day. You choose a day from it. It shows you the next five days that it's available. You pick a day, and then you can choose a time, and it adjusts to your local time. Uh, also, broadcast um, at that time for you. Go ahead. Also, Section 603 is minimally covered within this, 
but it yeah. was covered to such a high level that was the decision for a whole show about it because it is right. not done in a in a meaningful way during this OPPS. Uh, it is definitely discussed, and you get a concept and overview. Um, but the the nitty gritty of 603 is next week. Yeah, you really need to come listen to 603. You're not going to get a good enough understanding just from the OPPS webinar. So it definitely deserves that other look uh, at the next webinar next week. So thanks very much uh, to everybody for uh, being here with us on the show today. And uh, we, as I said, we will be back next week uh, on our 150th show. Uh, so uh, watch for my emails about that. Thanks to Karen. Uh, thanks, of course, to Dr. Johar and Bill and Sharon for sharing their experience. And everybody was in the uh, everybody was in the chat room. We had a great discussion today. And of course, we always owe thanks to our sponsors and partners: the Health Law Partners, Zermed, Recovery Analytics, and the CCMA. It is their contributions that keep this show going, folks, that make these broadcasts possible. So watch for my emails about next week. Share the links. Uh, to our show with your colleagues and friends. And the last thing I wanted to share with you was this one thing I found this week during my research. You know, if enough money is involved and enough people believe that 2 plus 2 equals 5, the media will report the story with a straight face, always adding a qualifying paragraph, noting that mathematicians, however, do still say that 2 plus 2 still equals 4. Boy, does that feel like um, recent news. Okay, so anyway, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time when it's finally Friday. Have a great weekend, and bye-bye. Bye-bye.